0: Hey, it's Balal Vakani for The Express, joined, as always, by Daniel Shahori, my second favorite Daniel. And Daniel, I never, ever thought I would say this, but AW is winning the Wednesday Night Wars. And what I mean by that is if you look at the last kind of three weeks, you look at the Great American Bash, you look at Fight for the Fallen, you look at Fighter Fest, and while Fight for the Fallen didn't really blow me away, and we'll get into that, I have to say, if you take the last three weeks and you don't get hyper-focused on ratings, AEW is doing a better job to WWE's NXT product at this point.
1: I would agree. And uh, I, I didn't see the, the first week of the American Bash, but they. Al- I always watch AEW first. And that mm-hmm. just seems to be, and, and that tells me something. that I, uh, And a lot to do with it, and I said this before, is that it's outside. It doesn't feel so claustrophobic mm-hmm. like it does right now with WWE. Program and that's a weird note, but that's that's a really big part of it. It just feels more refreshing to look at.
0: And look, the desperation of the Great American Bash thing. And I've been off for a bit. I'm technically on vacation right now. Um, but but just to slap that brand on a show. And like granted, okay, you had the double title match, and you had a pretty good amount of stuff in the first Great American Bash. But then they just threw in five very impromptu matches. And you know, I'll, I'll question some stuff about Fighter Fest in a bit but you have to give AEW credit. They have built long, they've done better long-term booking here than WWE. Uh, And maybe they've been forced by the Moxley situation to push this over one more week. But to their credit, I think they've constructed uh, relatively stronger narratives and parts of their roster don't have the talent. But I think from a booking perspective, which is what I care about, I, I have to give them the win. And I think that's saying a lot at this point.
1: Yeah, me too. It's uh, again. I, I, I make a point to watch it first because it it, 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 Out of all the pro, all the North American television wrestling shows, it's the one that hooks me in the most. Not Even the with all its faults, yeah.
0: Well, let's get into it. And let's get right into uh, Fight for the Fallen. Um, the music off the top, uh, it obviously wasn't Marilyn Manson, but it really had a nice vibe to it, uh, and I thought it was quite, quite great. And also having Sunny Kiss come out with the Jaguars uh, dancers. That was cool. That was very good. Uh, Cody didn't have his entrance here, correct? Which I think was a very good choice. He was already in the ring. Is it that? No, no, no. He had one. Okay. I just I yeah. guess I tuned out because I'm sick of it. Um, but but still, a good start to the show. This match was very good. I was impressed with the narrative of Cody being thrown off by Sonny Kiss. And it sort of elicited vibes of Goldust, which is kind of what you want to see from a character like Sonny. Sort of a nice homage to what came before. Uh, and I thought this was pretty good. I think on paper you can make an argument, well, why was, you know, why not just do the swagger match now? But I think as something, you know, knowing that we have swagger down the road uh, and and knowing that this was, you know, maybe not built upon as much as it could have been, but it's sort of one of those weekly challenges. I thought this was very good and Sunny Kiss has been excellent teaming with Joey Janela on dark. So I was happy he got a platform here. Uh, And I think it was a good way to start the show, all things considered.
1: I thought when they announced it, it was a little bit out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. uh, But Great match, and it was uh, probably the biggest television match for Sonny Kiss. And uh, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And and Cody was the straight up heel in this match.
0: Yeah, and that's right until the end. And that's something I'll bring up a bit is, and maybe it's again by the nature of how this card has been constructed. Uh, you know, there were a couple of matches like this where there wasn't necessarily a distinct heel. Obviously, you're rooting for Sonny, but Cody's also a face. Um, but but I, I'm okay with that because those decisions were generally very good. Uh, and I do want to shout out the charity shirts. They were, they were kind of putting out the, f- the Fight for the Fallen shirts, which were, I believe, specifically going to people in Florida dealing with COVID, which is a very nice touch uh, and extremely well done. Speaking of that matches. Necessary. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, I, I applaud. I, I would point to WWE. It's probably time you guys do something as well in this regard. Uh, I think yeah. that would be a good cue to take. Now, we talked about two faces. We sort of got the opposite, which I perceived as two heels. We had FTR, formerly the uh, – well, they're the Revolt now. I actually don't remember their WWE names. Uh, the the revival. revival. Yep, there it is. Uh, taking on Lucha Bros. And uh, FTR, uh, they're essentially the good guys here. Um, and this was interesting because when I watched this, I sort of hearkened back to seeing, you know, a Lucha Bros – not even the Lucha Bros, but the Lucha House Party – taking on the revival, that's kind of the vibe you got. And, and I, I sort of found myself pulling parts of that narrative into this match, like, you know, no flips, just fists. Like there's a lot of stuff in the, cat- the catalog of the revival that informs this match. I wonder if they did enough to build this up, uh, especially to build FTR as, as the faces here. We had the Butcher and the Blade at ringside, that certainly helped. Uh, and sort of how I would summarize this match, was a very excellent match with with sort of a met story and it sort of they fixed this a little bit after by having the jackson brothers come out uh and you know kenny came out with a cooler and they just sort of poured it on kenny which but that kind of undercut them being faces in this match which i had a problem with uh, and i also had a problem with the fact that kenny and the young bucks came out and they just had their match later um i just it, it didn't like these guys are super talented in the ring. I just wish they had narratively done a bit more here or thought this out better. Cause it felt a little tacked on, you know?
1: Oh, I agree. Cause I think, cause the, the Luch brothers are a sense of the epitome of the type of team that FTR would not like, and they mm-hmm. should have been building to them. Um, and of course they're building ultimately to the Bucks. They're like, they're a heel team that currently sort of pretends that they're a face team as they buddy with the elite. But they're, to me, they're a heel team. And you, But I agree, they should have. They could have built this up. This really could have been something. Uh, but that being said, I really like the match.
0: Yeah, no, these guys, yeah. uh, and we saw it last week with the tag team match as well. Excellent, the ring. And, and sort of, it makes me want the narrative even more, and that's why I'm probably more critical of it than I would be otherwise. Um, speaking of which, uh, Jericho came out, and Jericho's very good. I think this might have been his worst AEW promo yet, though. He came out talking about the ratings, and I, at that point, I just, it's too inside ball. It was too silly. It was too goofy. I kind of tuned out and eventually got to Orange Cassidy. Thankfully, he came up. He did sort of the thumbs up into the thumbs down thing, which reminded me of the old Randy Orton Triple H thing, which was kind of a funny thing to picture. Uh, and then he doused them in oranges as his thumb came down, which was great. It kind of saved this. But I don't, I think Jericho is, especially when you're on commentary, I think this was a little bit too much Jericho before we got Cassidy. It just, it just it felt too much to me.
1: Yeah, and I agree. You know what? I kind of cringed inside when he starts referencing the, the Wednesday Night War because mm-hmm. uh, I, I find the companies that are usually losing these mm-hmm. battles are the ones that talk about the other side, even though they're not really losing. But mm-hmm. the ones that do historically are usually on the losing end and it looks kind of cheap. So I kind of cringe when he did that. I like, I wish he didn't address this the way he's doing it, right?
0: Yeah, it's, sort of the, it's exactly the WCW thing. You've been winning yes. this battle predominantly since you yeah. started. So why go down to that level? The first Her
1: TNA did it all the time. But, yeah.
0: You know. it's, anyway, it's just a shame because Jericho, and we'll, we'll see this on commentary because he did the second hour of commentary. Taz was on the first hour. So you could see he had so much more to offer. Uh, although even the juice thing, Uh, they played this a bunch. Uh, They definitely played it too much. It was a good effect and it was a good touch, but it was definitely overdone. Uh, And this was a, obviously they had to clean up the ring, so they went backstage to Jurassic Express, who were sort of joking about what just happened, and eventually they sort of got into their match and taking it seriously. And I guess that worked okay as a filler. We then finally got Jurassic Express taking on the Elite, but this would be Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, We would later see Hangman and FTR watching on in a bar, although not a lot came from that, but it's sort of an interesting touch. I, I Again, I had the issue, and again, this is, plays into how this card was formed. I don't fully understand why this match happened, to be honest, Daniel. Like, there was the amazing Canadian Destroyer in this match. Uh, after the match, Kenny, uh, and he took way too long to win this match because they should have just won off that Canadian Destroyer, sort of attacked Marco a little bit after, and there's some questions as to is his character changing. Um, but in terms of the narrative to get into this match i don't know what it was to be honest with you
1: like why in, for booking reasons no there was yeah. no explanation for why yeah. it like these were just like two good. I, teams. yeah and I, I i felt that way last week when they announced it i was like oh okay just because <laughs> yeah
0: and look i i think there's the good thing is uh, you can see that you know m- maybe there's a six-man page where hangman is on team ftr or maybe Kenny is on Team FTR uh, or something. Like you can Oh, see, that's,
1: that's possible.
0: Yeah, there's there's some interesting threads here. Or maybe just Kenny's character. Like we had all this speculation about Hangman Page being the quote unquote bad guy. Maybe it's Kenny. Maybe Kent. You know, who turned Kenny might
1: be the. That's mayor. what they're. Well, that's what that's that's the direction they've started to go in.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm more optimistic than pessimistic about this, but obviously it would have been nice if the steps leading up to this were stronger. Uh, speaking of which, we had Shida backstage with Alex Marvez. And I, I'm starting to realize this isn't so much a criticism of Shida as it's her direction. She sort of simultaneously said she was ready for Nyla, but you could take on anyone. But that wasn't
1: an open challenge. So which one? It was like a multiple choice question. It was confusing. And, yeah. I, and I didn't know if she was also including men in that challenge.
0: Yeah, exa- like Like, I... This just needed to be clearer, especially when you have a performer who isn't as strong in English. I think, yes. you know, this is why Asuka works so well. Her narrative is so straightforward and she just oozes personality through that. And you, she doesn't get bought. And this is probably, it's not even a language thing. I think it's true of any wrestler. Like we just mentioned with Jericho, who's a great talker. Like the narratives need to be clear. And I know AEW wants to give everybody a chance and keep things open, but I do think there needs to be an editor who says, look, he's going to have an open challenge or she's going for Nyla. Do not insert both of those ideas into the world at the same time, especially since, you know, later in the night, yep. it, it becomes painfully obvious that this is going towards Nyla. So why Sheeta, knowing, and I forgot while I watched this promo, but I should know, knowing that Nyla is going to introduce a manager, and frankly, Sheeta should do the same thing, that should be your focus. Like, Nyla's getting a manager. Nyla's been ripping apart this division. I am ready for Nyla. End of promo. That's what it should have been to, to open up this idea she would take on anyone, especially when Cody's already doing that. Uh, it just it almost cheapened that, and it cheapened what she was doing. Uh, and I was, you know, I was very disappointed uh, with that. Uh, I don't know what were your thoughts on this. If you want to add anything,
1: well, to it? I was glad that they let her talk, mm-hmm. and, and I kind of I, and, and I, I liked what she was doing, but like you said, it really wasn't clear. Uh, yeah, and she was uh, like it, it was confusing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and we've seen this even with Britt Baker in terms of her character. It's taken them a while to figure it out. Uh, and other, especially the female uh, division, we'll get into that more a little bit when we get to the Nightmare Sisters. There's a lot of work to be done. Uh, and it doesn't hurt. They don't, it doesn't help they don't have the roster that WWE has in that respect. So there's more criticism. There's more pressure. But it's all the more reason why you have to treat these performers, uh, not with kid gloves, but just more, more concisely, more critically. So you're getting the best out of their time. Um, moving on. The, uh, I'm going to call this Dean Ambrose cut a promo about Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman, but in reality, it was John Moxley talking about Brian Cage and uh, Taz. Pretty much what you would expect. Nothing out of the ordinary here, but a uh, good little touch since we haven't seen Moxley as much leading into this.
1: It was good. It was good. He, uh, he foreshadowed how, how he was going to win the match, and then he did just, just he did that. So uh, in retrospect, I like the promo.
0: Yeah, no, I th- a great point. I, that definitely gives it a bit more, and I might have not even connected those two things, to be honest with you. Um, Jericho talked more about being juice. We'll just juice by that. Uh, the Nightmare Sisters. Now, look, if you haven't been watching AEW Dark, it's Brandy Rhodes and it's Ali, but just imagine Aaliyah and Chelsea Green from the Roger Stone brand, but instead of Roger Stone, it's Goldust, and then there's QT Marshall yeah. is part of this too, and there's a love interest thing uh, with uh, Ali where she sort of likes... QT. So now she's in the family by default and the tag team we had with Goldust and QT Marshall has been totally forgotten about. And they're now running with these two women who really don't like each other. Uh, and it's sort of like the girlfriend be- meeting your family kind of vibe. Um, they were taking on Kenzie Page and MJ Jenkins, MJ Jenkins, who was part of the May Young Classic. So good to see her working again. And, you know, for something that strictly has lived on AEW Dark, as far as I know, I'm sure they've shown up on the main roster once or twice. Uh, I was kind of pleasantly surprised. Uh, Brit Baker was ringside and she sort of had sent Jericho and notes. So that sort of enhanced this experience. I will say the act is very much reduced with QT Marshall not being there, which I believe is for medical reasons or COVID or whatever it is. Um, and, and maybe if he at least Skyped in, if he's healthy enough to do so, or, uh, you know, if they were leaving him voicemails, like it's just, you know, allie has got gear and stuff that says, you know, I miss QT and she's got the Apple, whatever thing she had, but it just needs a little bit more. Um, but again, the the back and forth, the the blind tags, the dissension between these two this is miles ahead of what Brandy Rhodes was doing at the start of uh, AEW. So you know it was okay. Uh, I don't know if a squash match that should have been in dark should have been here, but I I was entertained.
1: Well, the very first thing you said was that if you're watching AEW dark, and mm-hmm. I haven't been, and a lot of people haven't been, so yeah. this was all this was news to me. Mm-hmm. The name. Who, uh, the, the fact that they were suddenly teaming is last we mm-hmm. saw the two of them together on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandy didn't even want this person in the ring. and this was like a, a month ago, month, maybe more five actually, weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, so when I saw this, I was like, what is this? Um, and then I don't uh, you did a much better job just now explaining the whole th- how it happened. Mm-hmm. than they did on commentary. So I still didn't know why this was, I could figure it out. Okay, they're yeah. suddenly working together. Great. And they're, and they're doing well. But uh, I had no idea this was happening. That's so I saw it.
0: And it's an easy video package. It's literally Allie in the crowd with an apple. Her romance with QT Marshall, as weird as that is to imagine, grows. And she starts in, in his corner, and then she starts tagging with Brandy. They go on a winning streak. Like, that's a very easy video package mm-hmm. to produce. Yes. And, yes. Uh, you know, they could have easily taken some you know some replays of Jericho getting poured in RNGs yeah. out and played that 1 minute 2 minute package. They, they
1: didn't even mention Q team as, as far as I know. I don't remember but so mm. I had no where is he? I don't know where he is. Yeah. They didn't mention where he was. Mm.
0: Yeah, and he also was out with DDP getting advice from a month ago. So I I yeah. Really?
1: I would have liked to have seen that.
0: Yeah, so it's like look, he's got some sort of medical thing that's keeping him away. But this narrative needs more. And this is obviously, like, yep. it started putting the dark results on Dynamite, very low-key in the graphic at some point. But that's, you know, a couple names flying I by. I like
1: that, that they do that. But when that happened, uh, apparently, they've, this tonight was their fourth win as a team. Yeah. Now, I've been watching those scrolls for the last few weeks. I don't remember once seeing the Nightmare Sisters. I don't remember seeing mm. that.
0: Yeah, like, I don't know if they've even been billing them as that or just Brandy and Allie. This or... is the
1: first time I heard that
0: name. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's it's something they've added as they've gone. Um, again, I I think there's some some uh, an upside here, but sure. Uh, I oh, do yeah,
1: it was fine. I just uh, I just had I didn't know this was happening, and apparently it's been it's been happening for like a month.
0: Yeah, and it's a shame because all the pieces are there. Yeah. Realistically, mm-hmm. um, all right. So next up, we had Nyla Rose introducing their managers. She kept it short and sweet. And, you know, I think as everybody, most people suspected, like, Daniel, I I think most people were saying this would be Vicky Guerrero. Yes. Did you have some other names floating around? Like, I felt like the way she did this, the way she set it up, the fact that Guerrero had been heavily associated with AEW, doing commentary on Dark in some cases, um, this made the most sense. And and Vicky was great here.
1: Yeah, as soon as I heard uh, when whoever first suggested that Vicky was an option, I said, yeah, that's probably it. And uh, I don't think uh, Nyla needs a manager but the fact that she has one and the fact that it's vicky i'll go along with it they they were they they both made me laugh right away like you could like i don't know if you noticed like nyla rose uh, was having trouble not laughing
0: yeah there's i, I didn't quite put my finger on it, but you could i could see from her facial expressions and i think that's something we'll look back on when she's used to it and sort of smile at um i would love it if vicky pulled a double turn and helped sheeta and then somehow became a face oh. manager because you're right, Nyla doesn't need her. Sheeta could use her, and a face Vicky Guerrero—that would be something I'd be fascinated to see, Did especially. Ever get that? I, I don't think so. Like at least not in the managerial capacity. I don't. No, think
1: I don't think so. That. Or so, even as a GM.
0: Yeah, this is certainly not as a GM. So that would, yeah. man, that would be something. Um, so moving on to the main event, and um, you know, so Taz cuts a promo right before. And the first thing is the match started with 18 minutes left. I, I'm just, you know, if you've got a 20-minute time limit, start the match with 20 minutes left, even if you're just posing for the last few minutes. This is a small gripe. Uh, and this went kind of out of the ring, but I give the commentators credit. They sort of said, well, it's like a playoff. It's a championship match. They can kind of do what they want. I like the touch where Taz threw in the towel. And then after okay. the match, uh, the lights went out, Darby Allen came out, and that sets up a good okay. feud. And it, it worked because Brian Cage looked very good here. He didn't get a clean loss necessarily. It was a ta- like Taz threw in the towel. He didn't tap out. And then you set up a good feed with Darby. I have no idea who challenges Moxley at this point. I don't know if Orange Cassidy slots into that. That would make the most sense to me.
1: Orange um, Cassidy,
0: thinks, you think, makes the most sense? He's got – well, he didn't win against Jericho, but I think if you were just going by who's hot in the company
1: – MGF. Uh, I think MJF will be next for him. Yeah, I
0: just, the amount of time, and I know he's going to be on the show next week, the amount of time he's been away uh, raises some questions for me in terms of, you know, where does he really stand right now? But yeah, you could certainly do that as well. Um, but yeah, no, I, here's the thing. I, I overall have given AW the win here over the last three weeks. When I look at this match and I look at Adam Cole and Keith Lee, which granted was a double title match. And, you know, for that, you've got, you can go all the way back to Survivor Series where these two guys were killing it against the main roster and there's so much more history there. So it's not a fair comparison, but I can't help but compare that, you know, in terms of a main event, you know, over two weeks, I, I just, I don't know, this didn't, and they had a lot of time to build this, just, just didn't do it for me the way that and it was, this was good. This was very, very good. Um, but I wonder if we're going to see Brian Cage in this position again with AEW. I think this guy might be a mid Carter when it's all said and done because um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see a star necessarily in him, which is too bad because I thought they could, they were in a position to make him a star tonight, and I think they chose not to. Um, you know, and, and it'll make Darby more of a star at least. But
1: well, so well, okay. I you're. I don't know what they're gonna do. What does he does he stay on with the FTW championship? Is that a thing? Is he gonna break off from Taz? i mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure where this goes. Will Now, I understand that concern because it already mm-hmm. feels that way with um, Lance Archer, who is actually he's, – he's a possible option for Moxley.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that would be but, smart.
1: But then you're going to have him lose again to the other champion.
0: Yeah. Uh, this uh,
1: is, I, go ahead. Uh, and same with uh, Brody Lee. So they're all kind of the, like the same sort of – like the big mm-hmm. scary dude that yep. have all – that they shot it immediately to a title shot and now they're all there. They're all going to be, yeah, I, I understand that concern.
0: And I just, I look at this and the, the easy criticism is they've only given, like you look at the top title, they've only given it to WWE guys and Jericho and Moxley and you look at the Cody. TNT title. Yeah. They've only given it to Cody. And you know, this, this is sort of becoming, and, and you know, eventually we're going to get Kenny Omega or Paige like, I've forgotten about those tag team titles, given how much the other narrative has been going. Eventually, one of those two guys is going to become champion, and that's, that's in right. the road. And you could say that about Darby. You could say that about MJF. There's a lot of guys you could say, yeah, that guy could win the title. That guy could win the title. Uh, and, and same thing with the TNT title. But I just, I think at this point, I almost think it would be, like, I, I wonder how much is left in the Moxley tank. I feel like, you know, in this no crowd era, and I guess that we're getting towards the end of that, This doesn't feel as much of a... Like, I actually think they should have given the title to Cage. You would have had the two belts. You would have had Taz there. You could have played off this narrative that Moxley was hiding, and you would have built a new star, a guy... You know, you would have sort of created the next Brock Lesnar. But to have the towel thrown in here, it does protect him partially. But at the end of the day, his manager was like, nope, he's out, and that still does a good amount of damage uh, as creative as it was. And I, I you know, especially the orange towel. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I kind of wanted to see the t- you know, especially like what does that FT whatever title even mean now that he couldn't be Moxley.
1: Well, I felt next week would have been the time to bring that out because mm. he was going for this one. And now yeah. you can say, listen, man, I screwed you out of this here. You get this now. Yeah. The- but so I was baffled that they, because I, I didn't believe that he was going to beat Moxley. So mm-hmm. this whole time he had this thing, I was like, well, you should have waited on this sort of, you know, um, anyway. Yeah, because you
0: could have set something up with Cody, right? You could have set what's the real title and Cody's got the open challenge anyway. So you could have done that off swagger and that would have been the next program. Uh, yeah, I, this is sort of, you know, and uh, the reason I've, again, given AEW the win overall is because I feel like WWE has stumbled immensely with what they're doing. Uh You know, like they've got Io Shirai is doing a great job, but how many underwater promos can she do before you've seen enough underwater promos from Io Shirai? You know, there's only so much, like she's a great performer, but I don't know how much of a character is there. And then, you know, you look at Adam Cole and you say, well, now are they going to push Adam Cole out towards the main roster? There's worries about that. And now after Keith Lee, how much do I want to see Keith Lee and Karrion Cross? I do, but I you know, about as much as I want to see Darby Allen and Moxley, I would say, um,
1: you know, Yeah. So I don't know. And the other two shows are garbage. Like Raw back down have just been garbage.
0: That's another debate we'll have to say for another podcast, but uh, look, there's been, yeah, there's, a, there's been a lot of problems. Yeah. There's there's been a lot of problems. But I think as much as there have been a lot of problems, uh, they have identified uh, people, whether it's Bailey, whether it's Sasha, whether it's Oscar, whether it's Kairi Sane, who are elevating them and they have pushed them forward. And there's been other people like Bray Wyatt, where I think they've completely lost the mark. Um, but even then they'd be better off taking the title up Braun Strowman. Cause I have no idea where that's going. Um, you know, and you have Ziggler popping in a TLC, uh, allegedly a TLC uh, stipulation on Sunday. And you're like, if you could pick any stipulation, I don't know if TLC is the most advantageous to you, Mr. No. Ziggler. Like you could have booked a gauntlet match. You could have booked a three on one match.
1: You could have booked have a Lumberjack five-on-one match. match. Yeah, you could have yeah. booked
0: anything. Like, you had any stipulation, no, you know, under matter. the sun. Like, it's, yeah. it's just crazy to me. Uh, you know, Ziggler is such a good buffoon, he can't even trick Heath Slater for an hour. Um, and, you know, it's, so, yeah, there's a lot of problems there. Um, and certainly we're getting to the point where NXT and AEW could collectively draw more than at least Raw on a Wednesday night. Uh, like, you know, granted, we're taking two shows against one, but you're also taking four hours against three. And you can't really compare SmackDown because it's on a network. So it's always kind of getting 2 million by just access. So, you know, there's, there's definitely a movement here. Uh, and I hope WWE will make changes and adjust. And they have, to some respect. Um, but I still, you know, I, you know, AEW is not going to have the budget. They're not going to have the history. So I sort of, I'm going to hold them to, a, uh, same way I would hold NXT. I hold them to higher standards as, performance brands um, that should be able to get this stuff over more and as much as i'm giving them the win i'm sort of disappointed in both brands now that i step back from these three weeks because you know both of these shows have felt stretched they've had matches that shouldn't have been in there and narratively yep. um there's been you know some very good narratives but some completely pointless narratives that uh you know if you're going to pitch this as a special which AEW's done for three straight weeks granted WWE's not doing that but to that point, I couldn't tell you anything that's happening on NXT tonight. A, because I haven't watched it. But B, because I think the promo was like, "Keith Lee's the double champion. See what happens."
1: Yeah, they didn't. They, you're right. They didn't announce anything in advance.
0: Mm-hmm. And look, that's interesting. And Karrion Cross is certainly in the wings. Um, but also, Cameron Grimes is maybe going to get a title shot. So I, you know, that kind of muddies the waters. But anyways, that's kind of where we are with wrestling. Uh, Daniel, any final thoughts here? Cause I've just been all over the place here.
1: Are you looking forward to the horror show at extreme rules?
0: Perversely? Yes. Because uh, the, the Wyatt thing, if they put the title on Wyatt and actually uh, re you know, bring his character back and, and maybe it's, maybe it works now that it didn't work and it kind of did work a little bit before. Um, I have some hope for that. The McIntyre Ziggler thing. there's this, Like, one of the most unlikely title changes I can remember. Like, there's no way.
1: There's 0% chance. That the
0: guy who wanted to leave WWE to pursue his comedy career is going to become the world champion off McIntyre. You should have tried
1: that. Yeah, Yeah.
0: and I think they didn't let him, was what I remember reading. But, uh, you know, Orton is very well positioned to take the next shot at McIntyre. And that would make certainly a lot of sense to do Orton-McIntyre. And, um, what I'm really hoping for though, and which could really give WWE the day is if they put that women's title on Sasha and the final image, if they're smart and I don't think they're smart enough to do this, the final image of, uh, I almost was going to call it backlash of extreme rules is Sasha and Bayley standing atop, probably cheating to win with all of the women's titles. And then, you know, Sasha gives that look at Bayley, like we've got all the titles but I can get one more. And if that sets up a winner-takes-all championship match at SummerSlam, we are talking about, you know, a massive, you know, even if you were to potentially do Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre, that doesn't do anything. Like, there's not a narrative there. Bayley and Sasha have been building this narrative for years upon years um, and could potentially be the best feud in wrestling right now if done correctly but i feel like they'll screw it up if
1: done correctly the faith you F. have the the bigger it look the faith you have in this film. you know what's ending the show is a prosthetic eye that's going to be pulled oh, out God, of i forgot that's what's that. ending the show they promised this there's no what oh, what you just said is is, is fantasy land man that's not you know what's ending the show that there this is the pay-per-view
0: yeah, and what a bad like just think about that stipulation. Rey Mysterio is going into that match without an eye. It's gonna be So like well, I, I think it has to be Seth. I think if it literally the match is an eye for an eye match. So it's not an eye for an eye if Seth doesn't lose an eye. Like it almost defies. I think Rey's losing the
1: eye. He's I, the, one okay, okay. the contract. They,
0: they've spun enough of a narrative for you and my eye to have different opinions on this, which I'm surprised because I when I saw this, I was just like, It's an eye for an eye. Seth's gotta lose an eye. Like that's what it means. Like it, like if they're going to live up to the stipulation and, you know, Rey Mysterio at some point is going to retire in the near future and him losing an eye will be a big deal for a few months and you can do something with Dominic. And then that said, but if Rollins loses an eye, quote unquote with CG, um, that's something he can drag across for years upon years. Um, so, you know, I, I, actually think they're going that way, but Regardless, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty gross stipulation. And look, I'm relieved they're doing CGI, but it's also kind of embarrassing, you know, to tell that to non-wrestling fans, which I have not yet, uh, and I don't want to.
1: <sighs> it's still not as stupid as the greatest wrestling match ever, but it's pretty stupid.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, for anyone who missed it, literally the worst wrestling match ever was followed up by a pretty great wrestling match. And the sad part is Randy Orton, who, you know, at WrestleMania did have, I think, the worst WrestleMania match ever with Edge, actually is proven himself to be a very great wrestler, seems to have revived his career off the back of this because, you know, there, there's such a thin line right now in WWE between the worst WrestleMania match ever and the main event on a pay-per-view, which is actually pretty great, that could revive somebody's career to the point where we're talking about him potentially winning the top title from the top guy at SummerSlam. Like, the line is arguably how you book Randy Orton. I don't even think it's down to Randy Orton. I think it's just if you say, Randy, here's a blank check. You and Edge have 40 minutes. Or Randy, here's, I don't know how long that greatest match ever was, 10, 20 minutes, give us a tight match. That's the difference. And uh, that's kind of insane because the promos, the stuff you get from them week to week, I don't think it's any different. I think it's just how you book the finale of these feuds is literally the difference between the worst thing ever and the best thing you have going in the company. Almost, not quite Bailey and Sasha, but I would argue Randy Orton's probably second or third in the company right now. Sure.
1: And
0: that's uh, that's pretty depressing. Yep. So, at, at that, Daniel, I think we'll wrap the podcast there. Uh, good to catch up. Um, Likewise. I don't think we'll do a horror show podcast. We'll talk about that more offline. Um, but thanks for listening. You can follow me at V 87 on Twitter. And I won't plug anything else. Peace out.